studying the book of Hebrews together, and we're in Hebrews chapter 9 this morning. Going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 9, verses 1 through 14. Uh, now, this week, I had the privilege, you may call it that, maybe you wouldn't call it that, but I, I was able to be online with customer service a number of times. And so, you know, and I say it's a privilege and an honor, it's can be, but not always, right? And when you call customer service now, uh, often you get an automated system, correct? You've, you've been there with me. And, and when you get the automated system, it says things like, uh, if you know your party's extension, please press it now. If you're looking for sales, press one. If you're looking for service, press two. If you want help with our product, press three. If you need information or you're waiting on an order, press four. If you'd like to place an order, press five. If you have any other questions, press zero. So you press zero and it says, if you weigh between 120 and 155, press 1. If you weigh between 155 and 200, press 2. If your eyes are blue, press 3. If your eyes are brown, press 4. If you had coffee for breakfast, press 6. Right? It's nuts. And you go through this long, long thing, and really all you want is what? You want to talk to someone. That's it. And so when I do customer service, I just start hitting zero, right? Just, and now they're getting smart, and they just keep talking. They don't let you through. And you have to go through the whole thing. But all you really want is you want to talk to somebody. You want access to a person who can actually answer the question that you have. That's it. That's all you want. That's the passage of scripture we're going to look at. The first 10 verses of chapter 9 are the old system. So chapters, I mean, chapter 9 verses 1 through 10 talk about the old system. And the old system, as we've talked about over and over as we looked at the book of Hebrews, was a system that was if you will, automated. In other words, there was no access to God. You had to go through another person to get to God. You weren't allowed close to the presence of God. It was set up by God. The system was set up by God, but it was maintained by man. It was the priest system where the priest had to go before God for you. You had to bring a sacrifice, but somebody else had to go on your behalf to get into the presence of God. And so it was like that automated system where you had all kinds of steps and regulations that you had to go through to get into the presence of God. And the last four verses that we're going to look at are going to talk to us about being accessible, the fact that God became accessible for all people. And so it went from a system that was at 
at arm's length and, and really beyond, there was a person between us and God to a system that God created that made it so that you and I, when we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, through the person of Jesus Christ, can, can get right at the feet of God himself. We have access to God at any time. And that's the picture that's found in the first 14 verses of chapter 9. So we're going to jump right in at chapter 9, verse 1, and we're going to talk about the old system, that it was designed by God, but it was maintained by man. You're going to see this as I read these first five verses. Here we go. Now, the first covenant also had regulations for ministry and an earthly sanctuary. For a tabernacle was set up in the first room, which is called the holy place, where the lampstand and the table and the presentation loaves. Behind the second curtain was a tent called the most holy place. It had the gold altar of incense and the Ark of the Covenant covered with gold on all sides in which was a gold jar containing the manna, Aaron's staff that budded, and the tablets of the covenant, right? The Ten Commandments. The cherub of glory were above the Ark overshadowing the mercy seat. It is not possible to speak of these things in detail right now. So he gives this picture of this, this tabernacle. And I've got a picture of it for you. I, I think we do, don't we, Gemma? There it is. Perfect. We have a picture of it for you. This is what he's describing. He's describing this place. And they had, to, they had to walk in and they could only go so far into this room, into this tabernacle. The priest, the, the high priest could go behind the curtain and, and he could make the sacrifice once a year. And they could come into the first part of the tabernacle and, and, and present to God a, a sacrifice, but it was repeated and there wasn't access into the presence of God. Actually, if you went beyond the inner veil, you'd die as a normal person. You could not go there. You couldn't be in the presence of God. And so the author tells us this in the first five verses. He says, look, God made a way because man had sinned and, he, and man was separated from God. And so God set up a system. He designed a system so that people's sins could be forgiven. But that system was designed by God, maintained by, by man, and the normal, regular, everybody everyday person, you and I, the everyday person, could not get into the presence of God. Only the high priest could. And so this, sept, this system kept us at arm's length from God. And if you remember what I told you last week, the people were afraid of God. They feared the holiness of God, which they should, right? They needed to. The Old Testament is very, very clear that if you came into the presence of God with sin in your life, you were done. It was over. They should fear God. And remember, Moses was the mediator between man and God. And he went before God. And God gave him the message for mankind. 
And remember what we learned last week, that Jesus Christ became the mediator and he changed that whole system. But that was the system. It was a system designed by God, maintained by man, but kept us at arm's length. Let's keep going. Verses 6 and 7. It was inaccessible. With these things prepared like this, the priest entered the first room repeatedly, performing their ministry, but the high priest alone entered the second room. You saw it up there. And he does that only once a year, and never without blood, which he offers for himself and for the sins of the people that had committed in ignorance. You and I, if we were there in that day, we couldn't do anything. We, we could sin, know we had sinned, and we would carry that guilt until, the high, until they could take and make that, that sacrifice and, and go before the altar and humble yourself. It was inaccessible. It's not like today. If you're a Christ follower here today and you do something that you know is sin or you treat your family in a certain way that you know, man, that was wrong. That's not how I should have done that. And you apologize. You can immediately go into the presence of God. But they couldn't. God was inaccessible. And it took a whole lot of steps to get to the place where you had this outward Feeling and experience that God had done something for you. That's a huge weight. Can you imagine living like that? I th- again, my brain goes to weird places, but I was thinking about this as I was studying this week, and uh, I was thinking about what if the lamb wasn't my lamb wasn't ready, like he's not big enough. I, I don't know. I think about, again, like I said, weird things. What if I don't have any pigeons right now? Right? I mean, there's a whole system of what you could bring into the presence of God as a sacrifice. And so you would have to go buy something. But what if I didn't have any money right now? What if I had nothing to trade? Think about the weight of that on you. You knew that you had sin in your heart and your life and you needed to have a sacrifice. You needed to go before God. But right now my hands are empty. I have nothing to bring. What do I do? That was the weight that they felt. That's how they lived their life. And God was inaccessible. They couldn't get there. Now let's look at verses 8 to 10. It was temporary and external. What God had set up was not something that was permanent. It was temporary. Look at these verses. The Holy Spirit was making it clear that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed while the first tabernacle was still standing. In other words, this wasn't the permanent house of God. This was something that was set up temporary. It was, it was a, a stopgap, if you will, between man's sin and the ultimate payment for sin. This is a symbol for the present time during which gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the worshiper's conscience. In other words, all the sacrifices that were being made did not remove the guilt from them. It wasn't enough. It always fell short. There are physical regulations and only deal with, catch this, they only deal with food and drink and various washings imposed until the time of a new order. In other words, look, this was a temporary setup. And I would come into the presence of the priest and then the high priest and they would do their sacrifice and their offerings, but it was never enough. It didn't go far enough and it only dealt with the external things. It was only what I could bring. It wasn't what was going on in my heart. 
I couldn't, that priest didn't really know what was happening deep down inside of me. It's like confessing your sins one to another. It's a great experience, and the Bible tells us in the New Testament that that's what we need to do. But even better is confessing my sins to the one who can actually do something about it, Jesus Christ himself. And that's what these folks felt all the time because this temporary setup that was maintained by man and made it God inaccessible and it, and it just didn't go far enough. It didn't do it. And by the way, just so you know this, that wasn't a mistake on God's part. God set this system up so all people would know that they were not good enough and they could not deal with their sin on their own. The Old Testament system was set up so that we as people would understand how far, how far short we really fall. We struggle. And so as we look at this, remember these couple of things about this because we're going to talk about the flip side. The old system was God's desi- design but man-maintained. It was inaccessible. It was temporary and external. But when we look at this new part, when we look at what God has done for us, we find a permanent sacrifice and it provides everything that we need. And so the next few verses are going to tell us, look, there's an old system that fell short, but God had a different way of dealing with our sin. And his way of actually dealing with our sin was permanent. It was once and for all. And not only did it provide forgiveness for sin, but it provided a way to live life. Now, often we miss this, folks. Even as Christ followers, we, like, we say, yeah, Jesus Christ came to pay the price for my sin, and I accept what Jesus Christ did on the cross to pay the price for my sin. Woo! Ticket to heaven, I'm in! Let's go! Doesn't end there, though. Doesn't end there. Jesus did not save you just to give you a ticket to heaven. That's not it. He didn't just save you to barely pull you out of the pit of hell. That's not it. If you read your Bible the way I read my Bible, salvation was the first step in the relationship with God. God did not save me just to pull me out of hell. He saved me for my service. He saved me for a relationship with him. I'm not talking about works saving me. You'll see that in a minute. That's not what we're talking about. But if someone does something that great for you, don't you think there's a heart of gratitude that's part of that? Some of us have forgotten how great our salvation is. And instead of having a heart of gratitude and thankfulness for what God has done, we criticize and complain everything that goes on in our life. You don't really realize how how you've been saved. You don't really realize what you have. If God has truly saved you, redeemed you, given you new life, You are a new creation in Jesus Christ. All that is the Father's is at your disposal. The power of the Holy Spirit lives and resides within you and gives you the ability to face life every day. If that's the life you have, there ought to be some thankfulness and there ought to be some service that happens because of how great God is and what he's done for you. You with me? Yeah. And that's what these next verses are going to talk about. We weren't just saved. It's not just a ticket to heaven. That's not it. That's one part. 
And it's really super important, by the way. There's more to it, though. Let me give it to you. Verses 11 to 14, here it is. But Christ, I love it when it starts this way. But Christ, I need that, guys. I don't know about you. If it's all about Tim, we're in trouble. I'm in trouble. Even me teaching you, you're in trouble. (laughs) But Christ, but Christ has appeared as the high priest. Oh, I love this. Of the good things that have come in the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. This is so often. Remember, that was set up, that system, the picture you had up there, the God, the man, God designed it, but man had to put it all together, and they ripped it down. If you remember the story of them wandering around, they had to tear it all down, and hey, that's what we do. They tore it all down, and then they set it all back up. We kept ours in a trailer. They put theirs on the donkey. Same idea. But what God does is totally different, right? He says this. He says, look, God changed that, and this is not a tabernacle. This tabernacle I'm talking about, man's not making this one. This one's different. This is made by God. That is, it's not of, of this creation. It's not of this world. He entered the most holy place once for all time. I love this picture. Having once for all time, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood. Stop for a minute. The blood of goats and calves fell short. And the picture that was, was given to us in the Old Testament was, look, the price of sin is death. The blood of goats and calves did not wash anybody clean. It was a picture that pointed ahead to something that had to happen. Animals sacrifice couldn't clean anybody. They couldn't take away sin. But it showed the penalty and the price of our sin caused death. Deep hurt, deep pain. And Jesus looks at it and he says, my blood is holy. My blood is complete. But by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption, mine could actually pay the price of sin. Nothing else could do it, but Christ could. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow sprinkling those who are defiled, sanctified for the, uh, the perfection of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse our conscience from dead works so that we can serve a living God. I need you to get this. This one, this tabernacle that he's talking about, it's God designed, but it's God maintained, not man. Catch this? This is important. It's God designed. God designed the whole system of Jesus Christ coming to pay the price, the perfect lamb of God without spot and without blemish who would take away the sin of the world. That was God's design, his plan for us to pay the price for sin. But we're not responsible to maintain that tabernacle God maintains it. He looks after it. It's all wrapped up in the person of God. You and I are not good enough. We can't do enough. We can't work hard enough. We can't give enough. There's nothing that we can do to maintain the tabernacle that God has set up. He has done it all. It's all wrapped up in who he is. Do you get that? 
Some of you need to know that because you're working and you're trying to please God. Your idea of work and service is this. Look, if I do enough, God will be happy with me. He's already happy with you. You're his child. He's already happy. Your works don't make God happy. The whole thing of our works is simply gratitude and service to God. When it's about me making God happy, then it's wrapped up in who I am. God maintains it, not you, not me. God does it. And I love this, that it's God designed and God maintained. It doesn't rest on my shoulders or your shoulders as the child of God. And because God designed it and God maintained it and it's the work of Jesus Christ, then you and I, these verses say this, we have complete access. It's not hit one or two or three or four or five and hope you get a person. Every time you pick up the line to God, you get Christ. Every time. He doesn't put you on hold. I was on hold for 15 minutes. But when I pick up the phone and I say, hey, Jesus, he goes, yes, every time. Complete access to the Father through the Son, every time. He always has time for you. He always has time for you. And the temple is permanent, and instead of being external, it's internal. It's in me. The temple of God resides in me because that's where Jesus Christ is. Folks, you don't need a temple. You don't need any externals. That's why we say over and over again, this place is not the church. The building is not the church. It's where God's people are. He resides in us. We are his church. The Spirit of God lives in you. You have permanent internal access. The Spirit of God is with you all the time. So think this week, where did you take the Spirit of God? And what would you do with him? Because it's internal. If you're a child of God, he was with you all week long. Was he pleased to be with you or was he disappointed to be with you? It's eternal. It's internal. He cleanses us. That's what this verse says. It says that he cleanses us from the consequences and the power of sin. We've been talking about this in all eight chapters. He was a complete payment for our sin, and it's completely found in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And he completely cleans me, and he paid not only for my sin, but he paid to clear my conscience of what has gone on in my life. And some of us walk around with guilt, and we walk around holding on to that guilt. And if you're a child of God and you've asked for the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, God says this about that. He says that he takes our sins and he, he pushes them away to remember them no more. That's what he says. Is it because God has a bad memory? Nope. It's because he chose to remember them no more. That's what forgiveness is. And so some of us need each day to get up and say, God, that guilt is back, and you've chosen not to remember it. Help me to do the same. And we struggle with that because our minds keep running, and Satan loves to play games with us. But if you're a believer here this morning, you don't need to carry the guilt. It's been dealt with. It's been dealt with on the cross. Jesus doesn't ask you to carry it. He doesn't want you to carry it. He doesn't want you to live under that load. He wants to redeem you and renew you and give you new life in him.
And that guilt is not yours to carry. He cleanses us. And that moves us from a place of works to please God, what I was just talking about, works to please God, to service for God. Catch this? Works to please God. And that's what happens a lot of times. We go, look, if I do this, God will be happy. God will be happy. That's not it. Works to please God, to service for God. It's thankfulness. It's gratitude. It's understanding that he's the one who created me. He gave me a new life. And I get to serve the one, the Lord, the master, the one who's changed me, the one who took away the weight of my sin. I get to serve him. I get to live for him. I get to put him first. It moves from works to service, from performance, hoping that I did enough, hoping that I qualify, hoping that my acts are good enough for God to acts of service for the master and Lord of my life. Total different perspective. Ephesians 2 verses 8 through 10 say it this way, For you are saved by grace through faith. And this isn't from yourselves, it's a gift from God, not from works, so that you could boast. See, the problem with our works is we can turn and say, look how much I do. God says, it's not about that, dude. It's not about that. It's not so you can boast at all. For we are his, and this is the verse you need to get, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. You see that? Those are, just, those are works of service that he has for us. It's ways that we as Christ followers look to our heavenly father and we say, look, you're the Lord and the master, you're the king. We, those aren't words we use anymore. But you're the one who has my life, you're control of my life. How can I serve you? I love you so much because of what you've done for me. How can I serve you? How can I honor you? I want to close this morning by asking you two things. First, are you taking advantage of the access that you have to your Heavenly Father? Are you carrying around a load of guilt and a load of hopes? Man, I hope God loves me. Man, I hope God's... Are you using the access that you have to your Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ each and every day? Second, are you trying to please God or are you trying to serve God? Say, Tim, you're splitting hairs because if I serve God, I please God. (laughs) You know what I mean because we just talked about it for the last 20 minutes. Are your works something that you're doing hoping that it's good enough? Are you trying to serve the one who's redeemed you and bought you with an incredibly high price? Maybe you're sitting here this morning and say, man, I don't know when the last time I actually served God was. Then get in front of God and say, God, how can I serve you today? God, how can I serve others And show them the love of Jesus Christ. God, by your spirit, would you direct me so that I can be your servant? It's not something that's weird. It's not something that 
is hard to understand. It's, it's, it's just simply taking the gifts of the Spirit, right? You remember from Galatians, the gift of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, meekness, right? You remember those? It's enacting those in my life and living those out, and you will serve God. Because you'll care for people, you'll love on your family, you will do things in your own personal life that will completely change the way you live. And people will see it. This isn't some huge thing. You don't have to change the direction of your life. That's not what it is. It's simply saying yes to God in your life. Where you work, the people you're with, your family, your neighbors. It's right where you are right now. You don't have to make a big change because God can use your service in little teeny ways that will change people's lives for eternity. Are you accessing the Father? And are you serving Him? Father, would you grant us the courage to not only ask for your forgiveness for our sins, and that's a huge step, I get it, but then to live out a life of service to our King, our Lord, our Master, the one who designed a plan that would be permanent and that would grant us access to a person who loves us and cares for us and hears us every time we cry out. God, help us this week to serve you in a way that folks would see Christ in us. Thank you. Thank you for all that you've done for us. Thank you for your plan of salvation. Thank you for Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for being with us this morning. I pray that you would be encouraged to live out your faith and to say yes to God this week. As you leave, remember those cards. Take a moment. That's one of the ways that we serve is being thankful. Take a moment. Sign those so we can send them on. Have a great week.